0: You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 79. Today's topic is once more a question, how do you know if something is God's will? Welcome to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early. This is the place to explore and rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual meaning and see how we can apply it in our daily lives to learn how to pray more effectively, experience the healing presence of God in your life, and begin to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Hey there, it's so good to have you listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. And I want to give a special welcome to those who have recently subscribed to the podcast in the last several weeks. Thank you so much for signing up and I hope you will find inspiration in these episodes each week. Today, we're going to be talking about God's will. How do you know if something is God's will or not? Many years ago, I had an experience that taught me more about listening for what God wanted me to do with my life instead of me trying to figure it out all by myself. I grew up in Amarillo, Texas, As many of you know, and then I went to school in Nashville, Tennessee. Once I graduated from college, I got a job in Boston, Massachusetts, working at a church. I loved Boston. There were so many wonderful things there, and I felt I was making a life for myself. I made new friends, I had new opportunities, and I did things I never would have been able to do if I was still living in Texas. Over several years, I started to feel like Boston was my home. In fact, after I'd been there about four years, I started looking for a place I could buy. I'd been renting up to that point, and I felt that, well, if Boston's really my home, I'm going to try to buy my own place. Basically, I was just thinking about what I thought should happen in my life. One night, my friend Consuela and I met a man who had been very active in the church. He'd had all these important positions both in his home country in South America. As well as in the United States, he had traveled all over the world giving talks and speeches and written papers and done all these things. And we were both very impressed with all of his accomplishments. The amazing thing about this fellow, he was so humble. There was really no egotism there at all when he was telling us everything he had done. He had this beautiful servant leadership mindset. And my friend Consuela asked him, how have you been able to do all these wonderful things and done such a wonderful job? And he simply said, I've always told God I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to. I was willing to go wherever he wanted me to go. And that's my story. Well, that really impressed Consuela and me. We were really both touched by that. I went home that night, and over the next day or so, I started praying differently about what my plans were. I thought I was trying to decide on which condominium to buy, where to put my down payment, and which neighborhood I wanted to live in in Boston. It was all about what I wanted. All of a sudden, my prayer got a lot bigger and a lot more humble, and I prayed, God, Where do you want me to be to serve you and glorify you the most? The very moment that prayer was uttered, the answer came instantly Amarillo, Texas. Now, that is the last place on earth that I thought I wanted to live. It was my hometown. I thought I had progressed way beyond my small hometown approach to life. And so I asked God again. I said, Where do you want me to be? Amarillo, Texas. And I wasn't resisting it, but I was just double checking and triple checking and quadruple checking. I prayed several times, God, where do you want me to establish myself? Where do you want me to be to serve you? Every time I prayed that prayer, the answer was instant Amarillo, Texas. And finally I said, Okay. I had gotten to this point of humility where I was willing to accept whatever God told me, and this is the answer that was coming. And I realized if God was being so specific, maybe I should ask some follow up questions. So my next prayer question was Okay, God, when do you want me to move? This was in October of that year. And instantly the answer came January 14th. I said, okay. All of a sudden, my life was very different. And I started looking at things from a completely different perspective. And it felt really good to have asked God what he wanted me to do and not really put up a fight. The answer was so clear. It was really beautiful. And I think that happened so effortlessly because I really was seeking to do what God's will was. I was willing to lay aside my plans for whatever he had in store for me. I did move back to Amarillo. My parents were still living there. I moved in with them. I thought I would just stay with them for a little while till I found my own place, but I didn't. God finally revealed to me, once again when I was praying for his will and not mine, that I needed to live with my parents for a couple of years. And that was one of the biggest blessings of my life. We got to know each other as people and appreciate each other as adults instead of just a parent child relationship. It was also a wonderful experience because it healed a lot of hurt feelings and misunderstandings and all that kind of stuff that you have maybe from your parents. We got rid of all that baggage and it was really a beautiful thing. There were challenges, but overall, we became much closer and appreciated each other much more. None of that would have happened if I hadn't been willing to let go of my will, my plans, my opinions and ideas about what I wanted to do with my life for what God's plans were. Then I ended up finding a place of my own for several years before I got married and moved to the Northeast. And that's a whole nother story. And let me just point out here, obviously, I'm not in Amarillo, Texas anymore. That was what God had in store for me at that time during that season, and we need to not stay in a situation just because God told us at one point it was right. We need to continue to ask God what his will for us is in each new season in our life. Looking back on that experience, I think, how did I know what God's will was? Well, to start with, I asked, God, what do you want me to do? I'd gone around and round the block, literally looking at different places to live, and nothing seemed quite right. And I finally asked God, what do you want me to do? And then the answer came freely. That's probably one of the first steps in discovering what God's will is in a particular situation, or even in general, is, To ask Him and be willing to let go of whatever your opinion is, or getting to the point where you realize that you've tried everything, and as a last resort, you're going to finally ask God what to do. I have been pretty receptive to what God says in those situations. I'm trying to get to the point where I'm listening to Him a little sooner in the process. And I hope you'll do that as well. Ask God at the beginning of a decision making process what his will is. I love this in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And of course, this favorite from Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. How often do we do that? Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. When we're trusting in ourselves, in our own intelligence, our own abilities or other people or situations or how much money we have in the bank account, we're not really trusting in God completely. It's fine to have all those things, but let them be our servants instead of us being their servant. When you trust God, when you put all your trust in him and don't lean on your own understanding, your own opinions, your own desires, you're more free to hear what God is going to direct you to do and he will make your paths straight. He will show you which path to be in. So let's get back to today's topic. How do you know if something is God's will? The Bible talks so much about this, and there's no way to cover it all, but there's several things that I go to to help me discern if something is God's will, and I've already mentioned a few of them. But I like to ask, does this, whatever I'm thinking about doing, does it contradict something that Jesus says? Another question you can ask yourself, are you telling God What you want in your prayers? Are you telling God how it has to be because you've already got it figured out? Sometimes we talk to God like he's an old man that can't hear. We say our prayers loud and we repeat them over and over because we think God can't hear us. God already knows what's in your heart. Sometimes we have trouble figuring out what God's will is because we just think, well, whatever happens must have been God's will. If something went bad, we kind of justify it, say, well, it must have been God's will for that to happen because we just can't make sense of things. And so we rationalize to make ourselves feel better that, well, that must have been God's will because that's the way it happened. We kind of have this fatalistic sense of anything that happens is God's will. That's not the best way to approach these things. As I said earlier, ask God, what do you want me to do? And really be willing to listen to whatever you hear. You have to get to the point where you admit that you really don't know the answer. And sometimes that's hard, but that's a point of humility. We all need that humility. The more humble we are, the more willing we are to eat those big pieces of humble pie, the more clearly we're going to hear what God is telling us. I want to come back to that point about, well, whatever happens is God's will. We try to make sense of what happens and and that's normal and I totally understand that. But I want to look at this story in the Bible where someone came to Jesus. This is in Mark 9, starting verse 17, and it goes on for several verses. A man came to Jesus and asked him to heal his son who was having seizures, and he couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. The man had gone to Jesus' disciples who had been healing other people, but they had not been able to heal this person. So that's why he came to Jesus. And then Jesus notices that a crowd is forming. And so he says in verse 25, he rebukes the unclean spirit and says, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you come out of him and never enter into him again. The evil spirit came out. It looked like the boy was dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, and he was healed. Later, when they were alone, the disciples asked Jesus, why couldn't we heal the boy? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but by prayer and fasting. What if Jesus had not been there? How do you think the disciples would have reasoned among themselves as to why the boy was not healed when they prayed for him? Who knows what they would have come up with, but they might have decided that, well, that case was either too hard or God was not willing or there's some reason why that person wasn't healed. God must have some lesson to teach them. How many times do we do that today? We are making excuses. We are trying to find some reason other than looking within ourselves why God hasn't healed someone. We pray for healing because we've seen healing happen in our lives, and we're not healed. And so I don't know how many people I've heard say, well, I prayed and I wasn't healed, so it must be God's will that I wasn't healed. I did a whole episode talking about this, episode 29. That was quite some time ago. I'll put this in the show notes. It's called, Is It Ever God's Will You Are Not Healed When You Pray? I think that's a really good question. It's a hard question to ask and answer. Is it God's will for everyone to be healed? I believe it is God's will for everyone to be healed. Why isn't everyone healed then? The short answer is because we're not all obeying God's will in the first place. But how do we know that it is God's will, even though it doesn't always happen? The answer is right under our noses in the Lord's Prayer. Listen to this line. We say it all the time. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So let's start with what is God's will in heaven? We look at things from the perspective of what's going on in the earth. God looks at things from the perspective of what's going on in heaven. What is God's will in heaven right now? The Bible tells us there is no sickness, there is no disease, there are no tears, there's no sorrow or pain, there's no more death, there's nothing that can defile or make a lie that enters into heaven. That's what God's will is in heaven. There is no sickness. So, God's will in heaven is that everyone is perfectly well. So, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying for that to be done here on earth. It's as simple as that, really. And why aren't people always healed? Jesus says it's because we need to pray and fast, either more than we have or in a completely different way. Maybe there's something in our heart that we're not aware of that is not right with God, and that only comes to light through prayer and fasting. I got a new insight on this recently In this story about the boy who was not healed by some of Jesus' disciples, Jesus was coming back with Peter and James and John from the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, the other nine were left behind and they knew they had been left behind. How would you feel if you had been left behind and you didn't get to go with the private little club? The 12 disciples were kind of a private club, but then you had the inner private club of just Peter, James, and John. And if you were one of the nine and got left behind, how would you feel? I can only imagine I'd feel like, well, I got left out. Why do they get to do it? I'm as good as they are. All those kinds of thoughts. When Jesus says, you need to pray and fast, I think there was something going on in their thought that was so focused on themselves, either doubting themselves or jealous or self-righteousness, whatever it might have been. I think that might be what prevented them from praying effectively for that child that was having the seizures. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, you need more prayer and fasting. There was something very specific in their minds, in their hearts, that needed to be dealt with before their prayers were going to be effective. I've gone into detail with this story of Jesus healing the boy when the disciples could not, and... I admit I'm kind of reading between the lines. I don't know what those nine disciples were thinking and what it was that they needed to fast and pray about. I think it's so important that we not look at the results or a given situation and then humanly try to squeeze God's will into what happened. The human mind, in and of itself, cannot know God's will, cannot figure it out, because it's busy doing its own thing, trying to get what it wants. Knowing God's will comes from yielding the human mind, yielding what we want, so that we can hear what God's will is and what he's telling us to do. So let's come back to the original question, how do you know if something is God's will? Let's look at the Lord's Prayer as a template for knowing what God's will is you know it so well, it doesn't start off with the problem. It doesn't start off with what you want. It starts off with God, glorifying God, acknowledging that he's in heaven and that his name is holy and that his kingdom is come. It's acknowledging God's glory. And then it says, let all that glory, all that wonderful stuff that's going on in heaven, bring what's in heaven to earth. That's what Jesus did in his ministry. He said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was the basis of everything he said and did was that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Only once you have all that foundation laid for who God is and what God's will is and his glory, and that it is coming to earth, then we ask God for our daily bread, whatever our daily needs are. Now, the next line is so important on many levels, but I think it answers the question that we have sometimes when we've done something we know is not God's will. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. When I have done something that I know at the time or later realize that was not God's will, I start thinking of people I need to forgive, and finally I can forgive myself. The other thing is gratitude. Start being grateful for the things that God has blessed you with. Or how he's blessed other people. Gratitude and forgiveness open up the windows of heaven so that you can actually hear God's voice. And then the prayer goes on, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Don't let us be tempted to do what we want. Deliver us from that. Deliver us from our own opinions, our own perspectives, and show us your will, God for it's your kingdom, it's your power, and it's your glory forever. It all comes back to God. I think the problem we have sometimes is we say, thy kingdom come, but we really want our kingdom to come. We are really praying about our kingdom. If you're asking God to let his kingdom come, that necessarily includes you letting go of your little kingdom. Because let me tell you, His kingdom is much better than any kingdom that you could ever create for yourself. Something else that helps me a lot is the simple prayer, God, what will glorify you the most? It takes humility to pray like that, to be willing to let go of your opinions. But Even if you have the most elaborate plans and devices and strategies for getting what you want out of life, God has something so much better. I hear so many people talk about having to figure out what they want to do with their lives, having to figure out what their purpose is. You can march around looking really smart and intelligent and productive, but you may not be on the right track. You may be climbing some very grand, important-looking staircase to what you think is success, and you may achieve what you set out to do. But it might not be what God really wanted you to do. Now, there's always an opportunity to learn from our experiences, from our mistakes, as well as our victories. And the more we do that, and the more we ask God, what do you want me to do, the more we will hear his answer. The ultimate example of this, of course, is when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, not my will, but your will be done. If Jesus can say that prayer with the high stakes that were involved, not just for him personally, but for the whole world, then you and I can have the same spirit of that prayer, not my will, God, but yours be done if there's a decision you're trying to make right now, or if you're wrestling with some problem in your life, if there's something looming on the horizon where you know something's going to have to happen, before you go through all the gymnastics of the human mind, take the spirit of humility to yield to God, to surrender to God, and ask him, God, what do you want me to do? God, what would glorify you the most? God, what will bless the most in the long run? Then go through the Lord's Prayer and pray each line in seeking an answer from God, not trying to get what you want. And you may have to say to yourself, okay, I know this is what I want, God, but I'm going to set that aside over here for a little bit, and I'm just going to try to listen to what you are telling me. Whatever it takes for you to yield up your opinions, what you want, and just put it in God's hands. The more that you can do that, the more you will know when something is God's will and when it is not. And I would love to hear from you any experience where you have prayed and discerned God's will, where it has come to you what God wants you to do and what that felt like. And what the result was. Hey, thanks so much for being here today and listening. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen each week. And if you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, thank you for being here. I hope that you have found this helpful. I have a couple of quick announcements. First, throughout the month of April, I would really appreciate it if you would go to podchaser.com, P O D chaser.com, dot com, search for the Bible Speaks to You podcast, and leave a review. The other thing is that I'll be teaching an online Bible study workshop on Saturday, April seventeenth and Saturday, April twenty fourth, from one to three PM Eastern Daylight Time. You can find all the details on the show notes page for today's episode. Go to thebiblespeaks to you.com forward slash zero seven nine. And while you're there, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Bible Speaks to You podcast, you'll see a little form to put your name and email into. Just send that off and you're all set. This week in our prayer project, Twenty One Ways to Obey Christ in 2021, the Bible verse is from Mark ten, fourteen. Jesus said, let the children come to me, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. How can we obey that command this week? That's what we'll be praying about together. So thank you so much for participating in that. Thank you again so much for listening. If you have questions or comments or would like to contact me for any reason, just go to the website, thebiblespeaks2you.com, and click on the contact tab. You'll see a form to fill out and I'll be in touch. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I am so grateful you're here. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. God bless.